And welcome back to another episode of Wrestling With Romance. It's me, one of your co-hosts, Life Beam. And on today's episode, well, let's be honest. We have to address the elephant in the room. It would be almost basically impossible to have an episode without addressing it. On Saturday at, no, at Survivor Series War Games, CM Punk returned back to WWE. Now, we touch a little bit in regards to how we feel about it. We talk about possibly some fantasy booking. I don't agree with what Jack thinks WWE may do. Actually, I loathe it, but you'll hear that. And we even touch a little bit on what we think about MJF's title run and what's going on with AEW right now. And we even do a retrospective review um, where Jack reviews about four of the five matches I gave him from WCW. Now, we did that review because Jack isn't very too familiar with WCW. WCW and ECW, those were my first two promotions that I got introduced to wrestling to. I love them. I still have an appreciation for them. Well, I love WCW pre-Vince Russo, so we won't get too crazy. But, yeah, we touch a little bit on that. He sees four matches I really enjoy. Um, he wasn't able to find the fifth, but if I can find a way to get it to him, maybe we'll bring that up in a future podcast. But yeah, it should be a very entertaining episode. Uh, Jack tells a very riveting story that segues into us talking about CM Punk, so I hope you enjoy that as well. But also, make sure that you check us out on Instagram, on Wrestling With Romance. Make sure you check us out on Twitter, Romance Podcast. You can see the visuals on this going up every Wednesday at noon. Uh, just type in Wrestling With Romance in YouTube and it will appear. But beyond that, make sure you like, subscribe, and man, can't wait to see you guys for the next one. Deuces. trip that memory lane here mm-hmm. i am a junior in college i've there's a i'm hanging out with the transfer kids just because i always thought they were cooler at nyu the kids who got in right away uh just had too much of an ego like that makes sense still, yeah they were still coasting off of being the art kid in high school so yeah like they were special right even though like we're not they're not like we're all just kids who are interested in film and are doing their best yeah the amount of there was quick aside here senior thesis pitching movies time Mm -hmm. i kid you not there were let's say there was 25 kids in the class 21 of them pitched like high school coming of age stories like (laughs) semi-autobiographical coming of age stories and what what year is this? Because there was a point in like certain years where that was just prevalent, where it was just like a bunch of campaigns. It was right. It was like right when A twenty four became exactly perfect. They, like the way they broke through was with these like coming of age stories. Yeah, it was like two thousand eighteen, two thousand nineteen.
That makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, it made it, it. They were hot at the time. The genre was hot at the time. Yeah. It, 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 but it's also I don't understand like reflecting on your high school like three years after you left high school. <laughs> <laughs> How much life experience do you now have to where you can uh, understand your thought process at the time? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Anyways, uh, mm-hmm. hanging out with the transfer kids. Uh, this very cute girl. Um, she comes by. We, we start talking, and right away, you know, the eyes, Chico, they never lie. <laughs> I can tell she's into me. I'm into her. We we got a really good banter going. From the moment I met her, we had great banter, and it. Uh, we're playing like you know, just matching each other's sarcasm, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Which, if that's not romance, what is? I'll take your word for it. (laughs) Her friend comes up to me, who I was in class with, and tells me, like, hey, she's into you. I'm like, oh, I already know. You're like, I'm ready. Yes. Exchange numbers. We start talking. She's into hooking up, as the kids say. Hookup Mm. culture. As the fucking nerds at like New York Times would put it. (laughs) I'm not. Like, even then, I was like, I would rather have a relationship. Like, I've never started up until that point, I've never started hooking up and then led into a relationship. Maybe it was date first and then like you hook up afterwards. And this could be because I was a fucking loser in high school. And I didn't really like know, like I never hooked up with a girl outside of that that, that context. Right. Like you associated hooking up in relationships is one thing, not really like it's own separate thing. Yeah. Um, and if I did hook up with someone, it was usually clean. Like we hooked right. up and then we went our separate ways. And we hooked up because like we met at a bar that night. And that was kind of like we met, we met at a bar, we hooked up, we exchanged numbers, we hooked up a couple more times, whatever. Yeah. Um, or like the, uh, the the 30-year-old subway check. Yes, that story. Yeah. Um, so we get going. I'm a little not great with it. <laughs> you know, it felt like scheduling a dentist appointment. <laughs> right, this time, this place, like your place, because I was living with my aunt and uncle. Um. And uh, I thought when I first came over that, like, we know what we're here for. Right. So I walked in and then, like, I just scooped her up and started, like, doing the thing, getting ready for the thing. Okay. Um, It turns out there was supposed (laughs) to be, like, a preamble period where, like, she was going to show me, like, some of her Yankee stuff and, like, we would have, like, a warm up. But yeah, you know, like, a little casual, you know. Yeah, like, like <laughs> wink, wink. We gotta like, like pretend we're not hoes. Like we can at least casually conversate. You was just there, like, come on, I'm here to just drop off my peen and go upon <laughs> my way. <laughs> drop off my peen. And then I did that, and it was wrong. But we do that. We hook up for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, she like keeps saying, like, yeah, no, it's fine. I just want to hook up casually. I'm like, right. okay, cool. Um, this is never the truth, by the way. 
for all you kids out there listening. They never want to just hook up. Like nobody, like in any relationship. We'll let you finish. I'm gonna let you finish. I'm gonna let you finish. Actually, you know, uh, it's it's rare that at least one person doesn't catch feelings. That's true. Yes, that. Uh, yeah. Let me rephrase to that. Yeah. Okay. Because um, I was about to say, hey, listen, I had a few experiences in my life where you know I'm. It's 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 like somebody's catching it, some yeah. feelings, in especially it. So that's if why. you do it for a prolonged period. <laughs> yeah, if we're talking more than like a month or a week, some more than a few weeks, yeah, somebody's catching feelings. Yeah. It. Yeah, like, and I've definitely been on the other side. Like, I've definitely wanted a relationship. Like, it started just hooking up. Mm -hmm. I wanted something more, and they fucking did it. Right. It it happens. Like, don't Mm -hmm. beat yourself up about it. Don't harangue the other person about it. It's a very natural feeling to develop. And if you get it and the other person don't, just, it's okay to just cut ties and Find something else in your life. Don't throw uh, your romantic energy after someone who's indifferent. It's not anybody's fault. It's the circle of life. <laughs> it really is. Like it, it really is. is. It is romantically the circle of life. Like I can't. Like I've had situations where a person, the person brought to me, like, hey, casual friends with benefits situation, and I kept it that way. I kept the energy and the emotions out of it. They they wanted more. Certain things happened in my life where I was like, hey, we got to cut this out emotionally. I'm, I'm going through other things and I can't do this. And they let their emotions be expressed of how they wanted more. And I'm like, that was not in the contract verbally that we had discussed. <laughs> the implicit social contract. It's not within your plan. <laughs> you talk cell phone play. This costs extra, actually. <laughs> yes, yeah, I know. No, and, and you know, and sometimes it, it is just that of mm-hmm. it's not that they don't like you, or like yeah. it's not that you're somebody they don't see a future with. Mm-hmm. They're just not at that point in their life for yeah. whatever reason. They just got out of a relationship. They're transient. Um, they're. They're they're keeping their feelings close for whatever reason. Yeah. I, I, I'm expressing this because I know I've beat myself up a lot about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I've never hooked up with a woman who I didn't fall in love with at least a little. It's and so I'll hold that against myself when it turns out that they don't like want anything more, and I'll beat myself up about it. And it's just not worth it. It's okay. There's, um, if if you fell in love once, you'll fall in love again. Don't be I one know. of those motherfuckers who are like, nah, bro, I'm fucking off, bitches. Like, I'm <laughs> all fucking wrong now. No, that's such a yeah. way to live. Never close off the potential for romanticism. Facts. I think when you close that off, you close off a part of living life. Yeah, I think you, I think it makes you callous, but also as men, that's kind of some weird thing, machismo thing that we're taught early. It's kind of like when you get your, you gotta get your heart broken, and then that's when you really become da 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 da. And it's like, nah, it's like, bro, go go live, go get your heart broken a few times. It's gonna yeah. happen. Go live, go learn, go get I some scars. A TikTok recently, mm-hmm. and I was like, to be a man, 
you need to have your heart broken. You need to break a heart. You need to punch someone in the face and you need to get punched in the face. None of these things are true. No. Take it from me. I'm a boxer. I, I've got <laughs> exactly. A lot. It sucks. Like if I avoid it now at all costs, like if yeah. I'm not in a professional environment with people I trust, like headgear on, like I'm not fighting. Like I'll do anything. Like I'm a good talker. I'll just talk my way out of it. I, I encourage anybody else. Like don't go looking for a fight. You never know what someone else is like. You willing never know to do how somebody else is trained. You never know what yeah. somebody else is capable of in terms of violence. Once you get into the fight, who knows what happens next? If you really feel that urge, like mm-hmm. go join a boxing gym, go join MMA, go join jujitsu. Exactly. Yes. Because um, honestly, I'm too old to fight. I'm just gonna hit you with a rock. <laughs> right and there's those motherfuckers <laughs> out there like i was just talking to my homie who was like yeah, yeah i got into a fight and the guy just picked up a bottle and hit me you never know what exactly. those fuckers are into um and when it comes to like getting your heart broken or breaking a heart you don't need to break a heart like you just need to be truthful with your feelings yeah that's that's there's no power in that like you yeah. shouldn't get off on hurting somebody physically that's or emotionally true. I couldn't agree with that more, Jack. Yeah. Um, but this was a less mature Jack. <laughs> less involved. And winter comes and I'm coaching again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I take the bus up on Friday. I come back on Sunday where like it's like five hour bus rides. Uh, I'm in class like Monday through Thursday. I don't have a lot of time. I really don't have a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. I was in fucking awful shape at the time. So the skiing took a lot out of me. The travel took a lot out of me. Whooped your ass. Whooped my fucking ass. <laughs> so I just wasn't hanging around a lot. I wasn't really hooking up. Uh, yeah. You know, I was trying to get my school work done. I had done such a terrible job my freshman year that I was determined to do well that year, to do mm-hmm. well the rest of my college career, I say, because I was two years ago my freshman year. So me and this girl stopped kind of hooking up for the most part, like here and there. Um, we did. And then at the end of that winter, we got into like a big fight about like what we want to do next. Mm-hmm. And she, she like said to me, she's like, this is what happens. Like people hook up and then they get a little bit more serious. And I was like, I'm not, I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> I didn't know this would be on the test. It wasn't in the study guide. <laughs> He's like, this was not in the syllabus. Yes. This is not in the syllabus. <laughs> I did not do the required reading. No. And we got into a big fight. And then I go end up, I'm on this set, student mm-hmm. film set with a girl. She's shooting her. Um, it's like, it was, it's like your warm up for your thesis in film school. Right. Uh, you do a, like a smaller budget film that's still like, you know, five to 10 minutes in length. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like on location. Like we have to travel for it. Like it's a nothing in film is easy. And like this is it's a pretty solid production. She's directing it. She's right. also fine as hell. Right. Uh, we're going to call her Tex. Tex. Was, OK. Yeah. OK. So we're going to call her Tex. Gotcha. Tex. No, T. Yeah. T-E-X, as in Texas. Oh, like Texas. Okay, it's like, all right, I got you. That's where she was from. Gotcha. Um, She's fine as hell. 
we get along great on the set. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cook dinner together. It's flirty. The energy is great. Um, and then we don't set ends. We move on. Mm-hmm. Um, she word gets back to let's call her Lily is going to Lily. Be I was hooking up with because okay. names are required to make this simple. All right, so tell, word tell gets back to Lily. Unspool the story. All right, so word gets back to Lily. Word gets back to Lily like, hey, Jack and Tex were really like vibing on this mm-hmm. set. Lily hates Tex before we were flirting. <laughs> I know where this is going because I've been there, and this already sounds like it is going to go down to burn um, fiery flames. <laughs> so we go back. I have my eyes are lit up mm-hmm. with this new girl. Um, she's fresh, she's beautiful, uh, she seems talented. It's you know, it's checking a lot of boxes. I have one quick question yes. before we continue. Yeah. Did you know Lily didn't like Tex before no. this? Okay. I didn't about know Lily like, had any like Okay. Don't be a me relationship of any sort. Don't be a me. Don't know that they don't like each other and still say fuck it and go and do a thing. Anyway, well, continue. That's where the story takes the turn. Oh, son of a um, bitch, Jack. Oh, son of a bitch. Lily Tex is having a party. Mm-hmm. Lily is going to the party. Lily has found out about the vibes mm. um, with Tex. And Lily texts me. Right. Hey, please don't go to this party. I've been planning on going to this party. You're gonna, like, just kind of runs me down. Please don't go. Okay. I don't do well with that sort of decree. I know you don't. Uh, <laughs> I know you don't. <laughs> and I actually, I stay at home. I stay at home watching wrestling. Okay. Between my romance. Aha. Tie in. Tie in. And then at one point, the screen goes dark, and I see myself in the reflection of the t- screen, and I go, What the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> so I put on my party clothes. And I hop in the subway and I go downtown to Texas party. Right. Um, I get there. I, uh, I'm hanging out on the roof. I haven't seen either of them yet. Mm-hmm. And I come back down and there is Tex. And we meet eyes and she goes, you came. And I'm like, yes, it's on. Jack, 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 mm-hmm. Jack. <laughs> We hang out. We go up to the roof where there's nobody at anymore. Right. We start making out and hooking up. When I open my she my I'm facing the stairwell that goes up to the roof. Okay. So we're like facing left and you guys are like I like face to face. Yeah. She's facing towards the city away from the roof. Okay. Um we Unlock our lips from one another. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, saliva sticking. But you don't have to get this there. Fucking detailed with it. We get it. <laughs> I'm a storyteller. What do you want from me? Uh, all right, all right. Go ahead. When I open my eyes, as this happened, and there's Lily at the roof with all of her friends. Not. What That's I a technical foul. <laughs> That's a technical flagrant two. We Ooh, you stepped knee deep in it, huh? You just I didn't know she wasn't there until I mean she did text you and let you know. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Yeah. But still, that's poor timing. I mean, was there any ever gonna be good timing at this party, Jack? In like a back room closet, maybe. Only if a bedroom was locked and you could have stayed there the rest of the night, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) You're on top of the roof where everybody has access to, my friend. I don't really think you was playing with fire. Like you were double dutching in like gasoline draws with fire rope. Okay, like you're like double dutching. So this girl, Tex, and I end up hanging out for a a few weeks. Mm -hmm. And then she mentions somebody in her class. And she says, oh, yeah, you know, do you know Lily? I'm like, yeah, I know Lily. And then she says, like, something about her film. I'm like, yeah, we used to, like, hook up. And Tex goes, oh, that explains why she was like bare <laughs> staring lasers through me <laughs> the past two weeks. I couldn't figure it out. <sighs> um, but Tex and I embark on a relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's cool and it's nice for the first few months. Um, bit of a honeymoon period. Like every relationship. Yeah, I like every relationship. Uh not months, I should say. Uh, weeks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was like after there was like a period of like dating and hooking of up course. and relationship. Um, and, you know, I'm hanging out with her friends. She's hanging out with mine. They're creating mutual friends. Right. Ties have begun to be knotted. And then right. we... Then our birthday week comes. And I'm a big birthday guy. I love celebrating. Right. Uh, Isn't yours coming up? Huh? Isn't yours coming up? Yeah, December 27th. That's right. Wow, what a good friend. Hey, you tell me once, that's all I need to know. (laughs) It's remarkable, actually. (laughs) I get her a gift on her birthday. We hang out. It's great. But then she ends up having like two more celebrations that week. Right. And then she has a third on like a Friday and I'm exhausted. So I was in pro wrestling school at the time Mm. and I'm taking the train to Long Island, like two hours plus every day. Create a pro. Like, yeah, create a pro. Uh, Wrestled MJF once actually. And <laughs> that puts a different connotation on a lot of stuff. <laughs> Holy shit, did not know that. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, continue. Uh, it was like it was like four hours round trip, so it was two mm. hours one way. Yeah, Long Island's that's fucking exhausted. Right, all the time. Though. And it's like Friday. I've gotten like three hours of sleep because I was up like doing homework after mm. uh, after wrestling school. I get like a text from her friend, who's like, Emma's having a birthday at this place. I'm like. Okay, like I talked to her already, and it's fine. She is like, yeah, what? Like, you know, she should get her a birthday cake. Cake. She shouldn't get her own birthday cake. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Right. She's had three celebrations, and you've been at all of them. All of them. And I get there, and I'm like, all right, let me just go home and like get a little bit of sleep, and I'll come back. And I'm pissy as hell about it, but I come back. Mm-hmm. We get there, and she's hammered. <laughs> Which, uh, and she's a bad drunk. And like one of my, you know, my two deal breakers are bad drunks and bad kissers. Oof, yeah. She she comes out. I can already tell. Walking on the sidewalk, she drops in. I love you. On me. Um, and sometimes the things you love don't always love you back. The immortal words of Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like trying to talk about it, but of course she's drunk and it's just not working. And then we get into a fight at Joe's Pizza, which, if you know me, is like. <laughs> Like, I don't want to air, like, out grievances in public of any sort. At Joe's fucking pizza. Joe's Jesus pizza. Lord. Yeah. I drop her off in my friend's house mm. with the pizza, and I'm like, I- I'm leaving. She goes to my friend's house and cries. <laughs> and then two days later, I say the... um a line that has become infamous amongst my friends that has been quoted back to me when I told them this story. They couldn't believe it. And in retrospect, I have a lot of deep regret about saying this. It was objectively a mean thing to say. Um, I break up with her and we talk about the I love you thing. And I say, I don't think I could ever love you. <laughs> Which I understand now is wrong. Is is like you're like yeah we're laughing about it, but like it, it's don't do that. That's a very cold, callous thing. Say to another human. Um, also, don't ask me my thought process at the time. I think I just wanted to be clean about it. Um, but the thought process was poor. This is this is an audio medium, bro. You got to use your words. I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm is just flabbergasted, mouth agape, like staring everywhere. Like, I listen. I've been mean. (laughs) I can be petty, but I don't think anyone's ever told me I love you. And I said I don't think I can love somebody like you. I didn't say that. I mean, was it far off from that? No. Do you? What? I just changed someone like you. I don't think I can love you. <laughs> yeah. like, that is that. That is rough. 
That is therapy-inducing level of words. Yeah, well, she did her own self-therapy on it because she. we were actually in the same class at the time. And we were in the same studio class at the time, which exactly. is like a six-hour all-day class. Exactly. Where you we sat just next to each other. You couldn't just tell this girl, maybe this, maybe we just need some time apart. Maybe we need a break. No, you told her, I can't love you or I can't, or I can't be in love with you. I don't think I could ever love you. (laughs) You, you, you told her that, please don't tell me this is like mid semester. Like this girl had to figure this out for like the rest of Yeah, no, it's mid semester. Jesus Christ, Jack. You, You you, you are someone's villain origin arc. You understand that you might like, that's like the, that is the epicenter of what creates a, a villain. That's like, I you created the joke. I actually said too, I'm going to be busy going to pro wrestling school. And like, so like now she's, she, she's like, <laughs> back like, so you're breaking <laughs> over pro wrestling, which was her exact quote. Uh, which isn't true. Like, I wasn't breaking up with her over pro wrestling. It's like, this is just the thing. I mentioned many other things. But I don't <laughs> knock her for focusing on the pro wrestling thing. Oh, my God. I'm, I want you to know this is the greatest story from a per- person who was training to be a pro wrestler I've ever heard in my fucking life. <laughs> And it didn't, wrestling school didn't work out either. <laughs> That's the funniest part. <laughs> we, if we take some time apart, um, she's like, says to me, like, okay, I think, like, I still want to sit next to you in class. Um, poor girl's heart. I don't want it to be weird. Like, we're going to be separate, but like, right. we're still going to parallel each other and like, we can make something work right um i of course she's like i just want some space i go okay that's fair um Mm -hmm. i of course uh that thing kicks in in my brain that i just hate so much of i can make anything funny oh fucking christ and so i go to class i sit down next to her and i handed her a print-up sheet that has the word some and then underneath a picture of space on it. And I go, here's some <laughs> Bro, what is Jack, what's your motherfucking malfunction? What, what is your motherfucking malfunction? I thought it would break the ice. I thought like, yeah, you know, it'll be she'll giggle. She did not laugh. Um, no. We'll like kick her feet up and sit in class together. I want you to understand there's twice. Where, you're, where we have told stories in these six episodes where your comedy has backfired in, yeah, in, 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 in horrible manners. I, I gotta stop, bro. I just want to run this down because we gotta get to the intro soon because I'm looking yeah. at how much time this is. Yeah, well, I, the, there's, there's a punchline <laughs> to the story that's gonna lead us in. Uh, do the punchline and then I'm gonna do the recap after we do the intro. <laughs> okay. Um... So after this fucking catastrophe of a blow up, who and I'll speed through a couple parts, but uh, Lily comes back into my life to where we thought we would never like kind of see each other in that context again. 
uh-huh. um, like, that we would never really date or hook up or anything. Right. Lily comes back into my life and we start talking and having a great time. And we do it differently this time. We go on dates. We talk for hours and hours on the phone. We try to keep uh, like the sex separate. Right. And we actually end up making it work and we get together and have uh, uh, and what ends up being a nice, um, a nice prosperous relationship together. Okay. And after this, you know, we started together and then I went with something that seemed fresh and beautiful and new and had a nice coat of paint on it, but was ultimately a toxic environment for me to be in and ended in a terrible explosion with a tried rede- redemption period only to explode again. I ended up back where I began a more mature person who was capable of sustaining something. And with mm-hmm. that all being said, let's talk about CM Punk. <laughs> oh, for the love of fucking Christ. I can't <laughs> fucking stand. Do the goddamn intro. Fuck you. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Wrestling with Romance. I am your dating storyteller today. My name is Jack Simon. Uh, I have set up Jack. a impeccable, perfect <laughs> allegory for the CM Punk situation. <laughs> And with me today is uh, yeah, the co-host, Kadeem Phillip, a.k.a. Life of Dean. And, man, let me tell you, I was not expecting that allegory to lead into that. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> that, is, that was our longest dating story. And that like, was. By far the greatest setup to a punchline of my entire life. I will give you this. That was a hell of a setup to a punchline. It, 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 was, it was a story. It was a story. But it was a hell of a setup, man. First and foremost, let's get a few things off the docket. Um, first of all, like, share, subscribe. Make sure that you can you can find us anywhere that you find your regular podcast on uh, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, <laughs> if you want to hear more Jack stories, yeah. please <laughs> make sure you like and subscribe because they just keep coming. They don't stop. They don't stop. <laughs> I thought you were. I, I was worried I was going to give it away. No, at certain points. I'm like not going to lie. At the end, like the more mature person, the place that I wasn't yeah. healthy and everything, I was just like, "Huh, this motherfucker is starting to sound like." <laughs> and then once you said, it, I was like, "Oh, you bastard! You motherfucker!" Fucking yeah, bastard. I wore a lot of white t-shirts when I got back together with Lily too. So if you remember last week, we both said no. We both said we don't think he's coming back. We both did, honestly, and from the sound of it, it's not like it didn't. It wasn't really solidly set up until what the day of. He didn't sign the contract until the day of. Yeah, um, like it seemed like they they, they had agreed that week of, like, like yeah. that week it came together. Yeah, which is like seems to be the story with like fucking every pro wrestling free agent I ever hear the yeah. story is always he didn't sign the contract until that day and frankly it's probably because you don't see each other like the owner and pro wrestler don't see each other in person until the day of the fucking show which makes total sense honestly yeah yeah um, um and the then, only one that seems to be set or different was Osprey because it seemed like Osprey was kind of yeah. like in works for a while with AEW yeah um I mean I think they did it perfectly you know with the, his his return, punk, like, punk's return, yeah, like his actual in in show return because you know they teased it with like, mm-hmm. is it going to be Shinsuke Nakamura's opponent? 
and then it wasn't. And then it's like, is it going to be like Randy Orton isn't at the building yet? So it was like CM Punk's going to be feeling it. And then Randy Orton showed up. Right. So they were able to relieve the tension. Yeah. And the anticipation and make it the biggest surprise it possibly could be. Because by the time he showed up, everybody had let their guard down. Pretty much because the 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 um, closing credits and everything like yeah. the little tags and sh- uh, shit was up. Triple H classic. You want to talk about how you feel about it first, or you want me how, to? how I feel about it on like what level? Uh, in general, like how do you look at it? How do you look at this return? How do you look at him being in WWE? Um, uh, is it something that interests you? What yes. maybe you interest in things if of that I, nature? I'm gonna actually try to watch Monday Night Raw. Um, if he's on SmackDown, I, I watch SmackDown more. I mean, I haven't watched Raw in years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna try to watch Monday Night Raw. I'm gonna try to watch more of SmackDown. Right, I, I, like it's undeniably interesting. Yeah, it's it. Um, from so from that perspective, it's like fuck yeah, I want to watch. And then from the bigger picture, people like. More news outlets reported on him returning here than when he returned to AUW. And news outlets were reporting, like BBC reports CM Punk is back. BBC. I, I would say because with the way it was set up in AEW is different than this. So um, Chris Van Vliet, right? He wrote which one's the bigger, which one's bigger, the AEW or the WWE? And I say, <clears throat> you don't get the WWE if you don't have the AEW. Sure, but it's so, still WWE. But the reason why I don't think it is bigger is... Okay. I can't explain this by explaining how I feel. <laughs> I can't explain to me why it is like this. And I want to say this before I get into my caveat of whatever the hell is about to come out of my mouth. If you are a fan who is excited for this, you have every right to. And this is not me trying to poo-poo on anyone's excitement. This is not me trying to lessen anybody's enjoyment of it. I'm a wrestling fan, right? I, I enjoy wrestling. Now, was WWE always my first place for wrestling? Is you, we will come to the WCW review? You know, like WCW, ECW, those are my first things. But I'm a wrestling fan. I want people to just enjoy wrestling and be happy for wrestling. When it comes to the CM Punk return, I have mixed feelings. And I have feelings where I'm also going to say I don't know how I feel right now. And my mixed feelings comes as this. I can be a fan of somebody, but I can't be an apologist. I still have to call you out for your bullshit when you do bullshit, when you speak bullshit, when you are a hypocrite. You name me for any musician I've ever been a fan of, I'm the same way. Okay. When I look at CM Punk, and Seth Rollins cut this at a live show last night about, you know, I'm not going to waste my breath on someone who's tried to tear this place down for eight years. Seth ain't wrong. Seth's not wrong. CM Punk is taking any shot to shit on WWE when he could. Even up until, a lot of people forget this in the press conference last year. When he said, when they asked him about MJF after he went on his brawl out rant, and he was just like, sooner or later, he's going to have to understand he has to mend fences here. It, things aren't always greener on the other side. 
I was also there when he told MJF, you go ahead and main event night three of a buy one, get one free pay-per-view thing where you get released. Yeah, he, he's Hold on. He's working. But you've also said... You've called them out for their blood money deals with Saudi Arabia. That's Yeah, that's undeniable. <laughs> You've talked about uh, people not properly getting compensated from the network and how that would mess with people's pay. And you've talked about all these other things in length with WWE. You've had the lawsuit for defamation, I believe, with the medical staff person who still works there. You've had all these history of things in these like eight to nine year spans. And also speaking about just never wanting to step back into that place. And the thing I loved about CM Punk, which felt so punk rock, you know, you said punk rock earlier, but I think before we got here, he spoke up about things. He was, he spoke about the system that he didn't care for. He spoke about the system that he had a disliking for, you know, down with the system, not messing with the man, all this. So when I see you go back to WWE and I'm not going to lie, I'm not seeing you go back to WWE because your contract ended. It's different than Cody. Cody was a free agent. Jade was a free agent. You know what I mean? Your behavior in AEW is why you're not in AEW. Like, you're, you are a man that's about 44, 45, fighting a 26-year-old. Because you couldn't take how he, you, you couldn't be a vet. You couldn't be someone with the maturity to just talk about it. Who's the 26 year old? Like 26, 27, Jack Perry. Oh, I gotcha. Like, you couldn't handle that. The issue with the, you had to bring that up at a press conference next to the boss of the company. Like, you had to do certain things where it's just like, if CM Punk just handled one or two of these things differently, it feels different. Then yeah, also like, for me, this is your third return in two years. It don't hit the same for me. This is your third return in two years. And it don't feel the same to me because that first return was seven years in the making. It was seven years of us wanting to just see you wrestle. It was just seven years of just wanting to see what you would look like in this place. And I'm not going to lie. I really did love a lot of the shit he did in AEW. I loved him in Darby as his return match. I loved him. So I do you mind if I could draw off you? Want to yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, uh, let me just get this last part. Let me just yeah, yeah, yeah. get these last train of thought. I loved him in Darby as his return match because it did tell an interesting story. I I'm a little upset that we'll never get the clothes off to him and MJF right now. I love the dog collar match. I was there for the dog collar match. I was there. I love the promos. I love the whole thing, the leading up, the story building of that. Yeah. Will You Be My Valentine is a banger of a fucking line. Not just that, but busting him up in the MJF, busting him with the ring and just saying, you stupid old man. I, yes, Great. that was also amazing. The bleeding out. I, I, look, listen, him and Eddie, I, I wanted so bad another part two to him and Eddie. There's so many things that was left on that table. Him and just Brian. I don't like there's a bunch of stuff that was there. And the issue yeah. with it is just I look at it. And it, here's the thing. If he wherever he goes on TV and cuts as a promo, right? Like behind the bell, people, this is before Raw. <laughs> but whatever he does cut, it feels ingenuine. 
It feels disingenuous. It doesn't feel genuine because we got <clears throat> we got the whole I couldn't get healthy in the place that made me sick in the first place. We got all of that already. Like when it happened, right? I was watching live. And I was just like, <gasps> and then it just the feeling just instantly left. And I was just like, oh. Okay. That's how I feel. I have no feeling towards CM Punk. I am like I am I I can understand having emotional ties mm. to the character, the person, the the return to the departure to the return again. Right. I I have none of that for whatever reason, whether or not like CM Punk was never my favorite wrestler, whether or yeah. not I wasn't terribly interested in uh pro wrestling when he dropped the pipe bomb mm-hmm. it just doesn't do like I, for i'm able to be objective in this right. situation and that's not in a superior way it's just i don't i can be indifferent and when i look at like the size of the return what return means most to me like mm-hmm. what it does mean to me is wwe is an objectively bigger company yeah. And so him returning to WWE plus, you know, it being a bigger company, plus that it's thought, you know, people thought Tizzy and Punk would return to wrestling before they thought he would return to WWE. So Which is true. the shock of him returning to WWE plus uh the actual reveal itself, the store the the way it was executed mm-hmm. makes it a better a bigger return to me, like news, like and news outlets were reporting CM Punk returns to wrestling, which is uh, shit down CM Punk's throat. Um, what I mean, not CM Punk, which is such a shit down AEW's throat. Mm. And for the the emotion I have here is much more tied up with AEW because it's I love that company. I was there from the beginning. I I mean I have really great memories going all the way back to all in the first all in Chicago where I I bought an extra ticket. I was able to get two tickets. Funny enough, me and Jack were both there and we had never met at that point. Yeah. (laughs) Hilarious. Mm -hmm. Um, And I brought my dad who took me to my first wrestling event ever at Hartford for a live event. Right. Um, And I was able to bring my dad to Chicago and we had a great weekend together and I brought him to the grabs and I brought him to all in and he actually came away not a fan my dad's never going to be a pro wrestling fan he came away with great admiration for what was going on yeah the revolution like I, I heard him talking on like the phone to his friends about like the story that was happening here was he's like, yeah, these guys, they got rejected by WWE. So they made their own company. They made it happen themselves. You know, my dad loves that shit. Yeah. Um, and so for here to hear him excited about anything to do with wrestling meant a lot to me and it made me emotionally tied in to the success of these people forever. Right. Um, and now to see AEW not only cold, but it's, heading in what's my opinion the wrong direction creatively and probably the most not probably definitely i would say the most egg on its face that it's ever been in i'm not gonna say they're cold though like like i'm not gonna say they're the coldest 
that they've been because I would say probably before Full Gear they were colder. I don't think they're cold right now. Cause all right, thirteen down, thirteen thousand. I'm not actually. If you look at their last few, last few weeks, they're beating some of their markets at the last times they was there. They had more people at Full Gear than the last time they was at Kia Forum. They had more people in Wintrust than they had the last time. Like there, exceptions prove the rule. What? Exceptions prove the rule. You could say exceptions, but are outliers. Listen, this technically is financially their biggest year still. Like we could say they're cold by perception, and this is the issue. This is the thing. I mean, you also have Wembley probably not up. Yeah, but still, even if if we're saying they're cold, we have to look at the whole year in totality. Okay. If we're looking at it from a perception-wise, is it their best time of perception, though? I would still say it's not their worst, because I would say worst perception was really coming out of Brawl Out. Out of Brawl Out, it really looked poisonous. It looked... I would say out of Brawl Out because you you can't get worse than your own world champion disrespecting the whole company at a press conference. Well, their own world champion just left the company after fighting with one of their young stars. Well, he wasn't joined their other company that he swore. That's why I said, and I think, um, here, go ahead, go ahead. No, but this is what I'm saying. Even if we want to say punk was real worth it. We know who the champion was. It was MGF because we already knew that was a storyline. You can't have nothing worse than, Punk main eventing, punk disrespecting, and then punk fighting all within a span of two hours. <laughs> you can't have nothing worse than that happening. And then, like, to me right now, here's how I look at it. You have the tournament going on. The tournament's a good booking thing right now. I think you're getting a lot of strong promos. You're getting a, long, a lot of strong matches. You're getting what AW has been, which is matches, Character work. These are things that are coming out of that. We just, I just sent you guys the, I mean, but that's what AEW was mostly focused on. And I think one with MJF, a little sideline and probably not going to be taking up, like he's going to be around, but he won't be too crazy focused because of this whole hip injury. It's like up until world's end, like he'll be on TV, but maybe some of the other stuff that people wasn't there for gets dialed back because he has to recover for a little bit. Like, he has to be healthy enough for World's End. So, tonight we're going to see a lot of matches with MJF for the next couple of weeks. But I think we're going to see a lot more predication on this stuff. But also, Swerve and Hangman making news outlets last week. We forget that. (laughs) Like, they were were on news outlets for their death match, which is kind of crazy in today for them to get – some notoriety like that was the hottest thing going up until this week was the discussion of is that death match too violent i think can they turn around the ship yeah i don't think aw oh, i don't think like it's over no I th- it's far from it's not, it's not over i mean there's certain aspects that so the reason why i say this is like the darkest days to be an aw fan is the 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 signings that WWE have made, the luring of free agents away from AEW, mm-hmm. it is like really an unholy trinity. They each represent something that was supposed to be integral to AEW's identity. 
Right. Um, in the case of Cody Rhodes, part of the elite. Yeah. And who's the company is literally fucking named after. Yeah. Was, helped start it, helped launch a revolution, helped show that there is a world that there can be a world of professional wrestling away from WWE. Not all, and he was the spokesperson for that group. He was the elite's diplomat. Yeah. He's the one who did the all in at the end promo, um, who spoke the most. They all spoke, but he did. He spoke the most. He's the one who made that bet with Dave Meltzer. Mm -hmm. He's the one who at least publicly led the charge. Yeah. And now with WWE. Two, you have Jade Cargill, who mm -hmm. represented future. the future. The, mm -hmm. We're going to be a place that cultivates young talent. Yeah. A place that helps grow them, helps teach them, and launches us into the future so that we can compete with WWE and that yeah. we can make transcendent megastars. When Jade Cargill left, she was in WWE. She was like very explicit when she's like, Yeah, if I want to be like a big star, this is where I need to be. Like, WWE yeah. is the place to be for professional wrestling. For, for, no, not for entertainment. I can't remember her exact, exact quote. Um, it was some like entertainment. I wouldn't say. Yeah. And then <clears throat> CM Punk, who. You know, a lot of people this week have been tracing back those beginning of AEW to the pipe bomb. Yeah. He shouted out New Japan Pro Wrestling. He shouted out Ring of Honor. He shouted out Colt Cabana. Mm -hmm. Started this journey of a lot of fans checking out a world outside of WWE and breeding and feeding mm -hmm. a hunger for an alternative. Yeah. That timeline begins with that pipe bomb. It does. And to see him, and so to see an alternative be born right. off of this catalyst, and then for that catalyst, for CM Punk to abandon that alternative, or not abandon, not make it work, whatever. Yeah, I'm not saying abandon, but continue. It, and go back to WWE is so depressing to me. It, it feels just such a kick in the shins for like a company I hold near and dear and also like subjectively mm. I've hated the past couple episodes. Like I hated the, the Christian segment on Wednesday Let's not get into this because you almost thought I was going to rip your throat out over the Zoom. <laughs> no, I was going to rip your throat out. That was in a bad mood. It, it was too long. It was too hokey. It didn't make a lot of sense. Like Edge hitting as like a good guy, like banging, hitting Conchero on an 18-year-old boy in front of his weeping mother. You mean the 18-year-old boy who was about to let his mom get her brain scrambled in front of him? But still, like that's like a, a, a good. That's neither here there. Let's just isn't no because it's relevant, and it's Be it feels really, um, 
sports entertainment I don't think if so because if you tell me you're gonna break my neck, like this is that to me don't feel sports entertainment entertainment e like compared to like that feels like all right when Raven and Tommy Dreamer had an issue in ECW and they took each other out on like the people that was in their group. It happened like even in front of people that they cared about. Like these are things that have happened in other ways. I just think it looks sports entertainment, but it's also like a thing of like. Like this pat like on collision when he attacked Luchasaurus. Like it just showed like, oh, this is like a this is a building of a blood for you. Like you mentioned my kids, you mentioned my wife, you mentioned breaking my neck in front of my kids and them having to look at your look at your dad and be like, Oh, my dad used to be somebody until someone ended his career. I don't have a beef with him taking the concerto out on Nick Wayne. Does it make it look like he just doesn't give a fuck at this point? to do it in front of his mom sure but i don't think it's like oh that's that's wwe like like no it just feels like poorly defined characters um but anyways it's that and then of course the promos of like right of adam cole making peanut butter and jellies for roderick strong that sort of shit it feels AEW is no longer an alternative. They're WWE light. All right. And that has never worked. It will never work because you're always going to be looked upon as like a poor man's WWE if you don't offer something different. And it's also like not what I've signed up for. It to me, it's indicative of a loss of identity for AEW. Here's my thing, and I've always said, and I've said this, I've said this on our lovely chat multiple times, and I've said this to nauseam with many different things. I can understand people not liking that, and I get it. Cool. It's, it's not, it doesn't take that much to change that. The simple change is simple. MJF's title reign just has to end. MJF's title reign ends. The Adam shit comes out of focus. It goes back to its own little pocket. All this other shit changes. I mean, I don't Eventually, think it needs to go back to its own pocket. I just need, I think it needs to I think to it do. Exist. I think it, no, I think it does. Because this has always been MJF. The, him, the debonair singing shit with him and Jericho. The, the, all this Adam shit. This has always been within his character. His character has always been, but we just never got his character. Yeah, but you level. also had, like, the whole CM Punk thing was completely devoid of these like Spence sports entertainment because he he was doing it with certain people that could that would do it. CM like Punk ain't doing Jericho, it. Like that shit popped up once. Like the right. Demon thing popped up once and it went great okay. and then they moved on. If we're looking at MJF's character, MJF's character of low hanging fruit, low hanging comedy, getting to the smallest demeanor, Metheny, um, school shooter Darby, uh, uh, Intel yeah, Darby. But, but this is what I'm saying. All of that none is, of that just, is WWE light. Yes, that that is all rock low hanging fruit jokes. You telling me that's not even tofu? It's not WWE light. Like is, MJF is not calling. Let me tell Brian you what Coleman I'm saying. Junior's mother Metheny. But what Darby I'm saying Allen, is this: school shooter. See, but Monday this is what home. this is what I'm saying. He does it within a AWA. Him as trying to be a babyface because he ne- we've never seen MJF as a babyface. When's the last time we've seen him as a babyface outside of this, where he's not trying to be? Okay, sure. So sure. it's like he's doing low hanging fruit babyface shit. We've all seen that. 
He has been. That's all his comedy has been. His comedy is to make is to make fun of his his whole thing has been to make fun of opponents. But how do you do that in a babyface manner? It's going to come off corny. And that's what his character has come off of. It doesn't feel right. And as, as someone who loves MJF, his babyface work does need some work on the mic. Like he, as a babyface, it takes a little bit more to get behind him and want to watch his shit. He works better as a fucking heel when it comes down to him on promos. He does not click to me as much as a babyface. To me, more about like his championship reign has just gone stale rather than he doesn't work as a babyface. I think it's both because I think, honestly, I never had an issue with heel MJF. I never had an issue with it. And once he turned babyface, it kind of wasn't anybody fucking dead. Right. But once he started doing this babyface run, it kind of didn't feel right. Felt fine. I liked it. I would say after All In, I kind of was just like, "Mm." like once we got past All In, I feel like that All In match is polarizing. I feel like everything up until All In is polarizing because a month before you had him and Adam Cole versus FTR, and it was like one of the bigger matches on Collision. Legit, a month to that day, like it was July thirtieth. All in is August 27th, if I'm not mistaken. And it was still hot. I do think up until that match, that is when everybody was just like, oh, there's something we ain't liking about this. <clears throat> when you come away from all in, don't get me wrong. In ring, MJF's been incredible. Yeah. There's no doubt we, we can't question that. I don't need some of these other storylines and the fact that it's interweaving. Like, that's the one thing I think bothers people the most is AEW's never been interweaving storylines throughout a whole night. They'll maybe do one thing or one, two, but you're not going to see three, four segments of something in one show in the past. It'll be maybe one to two. Like, maybe somebody be arguing, and then you see them leave the building. Simple as that. But to have it, like, four or five segments of like how you said, knocking on the doors and looking for people and this and that, that goes through the whole night. It doesn't feel like AEW. It feels like some other shit. It feels like we're doing a comedy special. And I think that the creative coupled with these superstars leaving feels uh, just, just like ripping the fucking soul out of AEW. I don't feel like it's ripping the Tony Khan as a booker doesn't know like which way to go with it. And it feels like all of like the haters, what they said about Tony Khan, that he he won't be able to be a boss, that he's too nice, he can't control the locker room is coming true. I think and it just makes me very worried about the future. I think two things to that. Very simple. I think you need to there's a change that I think there's obviously a change again. I, I say there's few changes that need to be made from a visual standpoint for TV. I do think MJF has to drop his title. I, I just, I can't see yeah, it going. It has to. Like, it's time. Like, it's a time for a fresh coat. One, we ain't never had a title go this long. And then two, it's like, it's at the point now where it's kind of like, all right, we've reached our end. Because it's like, if we take out, and it's also 
perspective wise, because I know people who did not who was not bothered by the shit from Full Gear. I know people who like watch both who are like, oh, that's cool. That's fine. It doesn't bother me. But also at the same point, you didn't need that. Like the the meat of that match, like just the bell to bell of that match, it's a really good fucking match. It did not need this whole leg injury bullshit. Like it's, none of that's needed. Like, like if you just go bell to bell, like I've watched the match. Build was atrocious. Because Jay White didn't even feel important. I think Jay White felt important, but like he walked around with MJF's title for like six weeks. Like, and then, and, and then there was the leg injury. It just took. You know, it was it WWE, did too much. It was WWE light booking, where it instead was, of like here's yeah. a match of people you want to see talk at one another and wrestle one another, mm. and here it is, go. Instead, it took fifteen fucking turns where it didn't need to. There. Like it made a swerve when it was unnecessarily where there was no need to make a swerve. And, fucking everywhere, and it didn't need to. But that's the thing; it doesn't take a lot to get back to it. I don't think. Like, here's the thing: to me, right now, when I look at AEW, there to me, I don't see them like it's the darkest of age. I think, like, I think a bright possibility is right there. I think you have Julia having TBS title is a good thing. A young upstart, twenty-two year old, Agreed. who's a star. I think Tony Storm having that belt is a good thing. I think we just need to see what else is going on. What goes on with so because there have been some like when it started, it was super cool. It was creative. It was fun, and like since then, has just devolved into WWE light. So some people nonsense. Some people were saying they don't know why it showed up on TV that way, but they was like, they was, they was actually, people were into it in Chicago, but they just don't know why it came across on TV that way. So, like, there's videos of people into the sex, so we gotta see. People, yeah, no, I guess they did say at the time, like, that crowd was fucking silent. Yeah, but also, I think you have that. I'm very interested on what we're gonna do with certain other divisions. I, I like I like the fact that we have the Continental Classic because I think there's a lot of stories yeah. that's coming out of that. That's, I think there's there. I think it. your major thing is yeah, your main your champion got changed. I, I yes, I do think it. it should be. Uh, should, I, I'm gonna make a quick comment here about mm-hmm. how uh, both men's single Ring of Honor champions have elected to just give up their championship. In the past month, <laughs> but I, I will say this, and also then the Shibata shit came out of nowhere. So then it's just like that shit kind of threw off everything. Um, yeah. The Ring of Honor thing well, makes it championship. I was just referring to television, and uh, yeah, but then Shibata has a personal yeah. thing, so now he's back in Japan. I will say this: um, if you want to do something dope, you better main event final battle with your woman. Uh, you better get Ronda Rousey in that motherfucker and do Athena versus Ronda Rousey. Yes. That that's your best thing right there. So fucking good. That would slap so hard. Right there. I got it's the solution for that is simple. It's right there. Yeah. Do I think um a ladder ladder tag team championship match? Simple. 
Like they, they, their fixes are there. The thing for me is just do it. In the words of Bill Parcells, the table is set. Are you hungry enough? Exactly. Um, but speaking of championships as props and unnecessary swerves and companies crumbling under the weight of themselves, <laughs> let's talk about WCW. Wow. That was a hell of a fucking segue. <laughs> the hell of a fucking... <laughs> so, uh, for the people who don't know, if you've just seen this episode for the first... Or if you've just seen us for the first time, a couple of weeks back, Jack had me watch death matches. Because Jack is into death matches. I'm not usually my thing, even though I've probably watched Swerve and Hangman about four times as we speak. Maybe going into five times by the end of this week. Um, <laughs> but... My favorite, my first um, company that I got into was WCW. So I picked four matches for Jack. Unfortunately, Jack couldn't find one match because it's like fucking digging through, like finding a needle in a haystack. Yeah, so he picked five, but I was able to watch four. Right. So Jack is going to give us a review of the matches that he saw. Um, I was a little upset that I didn't get one Goldberg match. So... Every... I figured you had seen Goldberg DDP. Yes. Uh, okay, so there we go. I'm, I'm, <laughs> that's his best no, match. I, so besides Goldberg matches, I've watched probably just a handful of WCW matches ever. Mm-hmm. I watched the first Vince Russo WCW uh, Monday Night Nitro episode um, as a punishment. Oh, fuck that, man. Fuck so, him. Yeah. <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> Um, and then besides that, on like YouTube, like I've seen like Eddie versus Ray, right. um, and like maybe one or two others. And then there's uh, every Goldberg match. I don't know if it still is, but every Goldberg match was on YouTube at one point. And like, it probably I, is. I I like fell into that rabbit hole and like watched like so many. I mean, WWE has the lovely thing of whenever somebody resigns with them, they put all their stuff back up. Like I'm going to tell you to be uploaded. It oh was, really? Someone else had the tapes and like uploaded oh. I'm telling you, from the first one, like through the William Regal, like up to the championship, like all. Yeah. I um, thought about sending you that William Regal match, but I'm like, we're looking for my favorite matches, not yeah. matches that make me sad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but first match I watched Billy Kidman versus Rey Mysterio, uh, Nitro. It was. March 15th, 1999. Yeah. First, it starts with them talking about NWO on commentary. Mm-hmm. And it's always flabbergasting to me that that story was still going on. And they're still talking about what's going to happen next. NWO never died properly. It just, just, it, it was like venom. Just waits <laughs> to give you cancer. <laughs> to give you cancer. Well, just before or after Ray dated Jennifer Aniston. That never happened, but I think this is after the rumor. Yeah. Me, Fun fact, he, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is unmasked, unmasked Ray Mysterio, right? Yeah, this is unmasked Ray Mysterio. But this is the old Nitro set, right? I don't know. Because I don't okay. know the new Nitro set. Okay. But there was a part where, for you, you'll enjoy this. He used to actually have a storyline where he was dating Tori Wilson. Good. Love it. No, no. <laughs> um... And the only other unmasked Rey Mysterio mask match I've ever seen was Eddie versus Ray versus CM Punk, actually. And I think it was an IWA in the mid Yeah, it was IWA. 
First, it starts like Ray hits a drop kick to a cross crossbody counter that was like so clean, mm-hmm. like where the timing of that is so impossible, and it it like reminded me like what I think Ray does really well is like sell his high flying moves like even into like the counters that he does, like where his yeah. whole offense revolves around that. Where he, when he hits them and when he um, gets hit by them, he mm-hmm. understands the magnitude that like high risk, high reward should carry. Whereas yeah. like, some people like you know it's said on commentary all the time, but it's not actually felt in the matches. Mm-hmm. Like he and, sells it like, ooh, that took a lot out of me. Yeah, uh, and it, it has like that aura of unpredictability that I think WCW prided itself on. Mm-hmm. The crowd was super into it. Um, what kind of fucked me up was nothing about Billy Kidman really excites me. Mm. And Ray without the mask is really interesting because you can tell he's not used to using his face. Yeah. Like the body language is, is impeccable, but like, you know, he's trying to like contort his face, but he's never quite clear mm-hmm. what is supposed to be going on. And then they finish with a bulldog. Um, which like for me, Ray of Mysterio mask match was really funny to see. Like, when do you know when he started using his six one nine? When he came to WWE, really? Yeah, that was never a finisher for him. Uh, it was, was like he had always done that shit. Six one nine was never a finisher. It, actually, it was the Dragon Rana uh, pin that was always usually his um, like the Hurricanrana Dragon Rana pin, like where he'll either like jump springboard and Hurricanrana into a pin. That was usually his finisher, or the bulldog became more of like he would use it. He would hit it from the top rope if he was in cruiserweight yeah, matches in WCW. But he never used the six one nine that one when he was in WCW. Or he might have done it in a back. It was never it was a transitional move. What a different time! What a different mm-hmm. like psychology. Yeah. Um. But you it know, seems, yeah, it's solid match. It. Crowd was into it. Um, I'm gonna give a score, and I'm also gonna use this uh, time to plug my Aspen Times movie reviews, where I give out of ten in a very, let's call it precise manner. Uh, the fight would be <laughs> precise, precise and device, <laughs> divisive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Five point four out of ten. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Solid. Nothing really like it's not a match I would watch again. Certainly wasn't oh, bad. Yeah. Crowd was into Kidman. it. That deserves credit. Um, cool, neat. Yeah. Uh, which then brings us to Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Jericho at Full Brawl 1997. Right. Um, I actually did the math on this one, and I feel like this would give everybody good clarity. This happened nine months after I was born. <laughs> Wow, holy shit. Yeah. Um, Way to make me feel old. God damn, Jack. <laughs> that was a fucking first grader. Like, perspective on, like, WCW. Like, wow. Like, it's a far away land for me. Long yeah. time, long, long ago, and a land far, far away. Wait, that means you were only four when they fucking, when they got sold to WWE. Yeah. I, I have no memory of WCW. I have no understanding of it. I have no mm. knowledge of it. Like mm-hmm. it's 
they, it almost doesn't seem real. It feels like a company somebody made up, like that happened in the history of pro wrestling. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. White meat babyface Chris Jericho is so fucking funny to watch. Like, <laughs> like old shit. Like, yeah. It's like barely above generic white meat ba- babyface Chris Jericho. Yeah. It's so fucking hilarious to me. Because like he's still a potential wrestler. Right. Like you can see how good he can be. But like Eddie's Ooh. definitely leading the match. And like Jericho is more uncertain when he is in control. He's less decisive with his movements. And I should have sent you realizing that in between time, which like now is all he does. Like in between yeah. like moves, Jericho, like that's everything he does now. Like he'll hit a move and then he'll play the crowd or sell something or like use it as a setup. Um I forget if it's I no understanding of that. Or I forget if it's Bash at the Beach 98, but it is like deep in heel run, Chris Jericho versus returning from injury babyface Rey Mysterio. And I was like, f- now that I realize like how much you really don't like, I was like, fuck, I should have just sent you that match. <laughs> I just sent you that match. Cause that is like, Chris Jericho has figured out the heel shit. <laughs> Chris Jericho has figured out the heel, but continue. And you know, uh, Jeremy Allen white, do you know who that is? He's, he's from shameless and he's like the lead character in the bear. Yes. Um, he's going to be in the iron claw. Yeah. And he had a line recently about pro wrestling, I think pro wrestling and what matters the most in these matches is what happens between the moves. Mm -hmm. Like in Chavo Guerrero. Yeah. is the teacher for the iron claw said like, like, like Jeremy, I was like, you know, I'll hit the move or the couple moves. And he's like, Oh, thank God it's time to take a break. And then Chavo was like, no, like that's the most important time. Uh, Yeah. And Eddie Guerrero did that better than anybody. And on top of being able to hit these moves better than most, he did those, the the space between the notes better than everybody. Like Mm. when the match starts and right away, he runs right out of the ring in like an exciting way. Like Mm -hmm. to where you like, you whip your head around to watch him. And it's like such a fun idea that only would have the create Eddie would have the creativity to do. And then he like Chris Jericho hits a snap mare and like he calls the ref over with his finger mm-hmm. to like point out like that there was a hair that you know there was a he pulled my hair when he did the snap mare is like such an exquisite fucking touch of brilliance. Yeah. And he leads this match through those sort of movements. Um, and it feels like the toughest thing with cruiserweight matches, I think is to make it feel like a struggle. Right. And they achieved it here. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'll give this one an 8.8 out of 10. Funny enough. Um, I always say WCW Eddie's my favorite heel. My favorite heel of all time is WCW Eddie. Because WCW Eddie just, he has this way of just looking like he doesn't care when he comes to the ring, especially when he first comes back as this cruiserweight champion. Mm-hmm. And he just has this way of just like leading these matches. That's Halloween Havoc. That's the same time of Halloween Havoc with him and Ray. Like all those times are in that hero run. In this match too. So it's like, yeah. Eight, you say 8.8? Yeah. It's my highest rated match of the bunch. Okay. That gives me, I like that. Then we go to Bret Hart versus Chris Benoit. 
a rare gem of a Bret Hart WCW match. A good one of his best WCW matches. It's an Owen Hart tribute match. It was right after he had passed, and you can like see how detached Bret is from mm-hmm. the present. Like when he's walking down the aisle, and you can see. You know, I wrestle because I've always wrestled, and it's what my brother wanted wanted me to do. But fuck, yeah. Um, and he uses that. Mm-hmm. He uses those mannerisms, and he uses that like the little ticks to help push the match, whether he wanted to or not. Right. Um, and there's like, you can really feel the love of the struggle during the match. Like mm-hmm. how much Brett really loves the struggle. And this one was interesting because it really is, it's a three act play. Yeah. And what Brett Hart, I think is best at is that structure of a match. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the first act, which is tra- chain wrestling, and it's not like a classic chain wrestling. Well, they're trying to feel each other out. No. They're trying to put each other away without brutality. Yeah. Because they're friends and it's a tribute match. And then the second act, they bring up the heavy artillery, heavy artillery, and it happens like as soon as um, like Benoit goes for a submission. Mm-hmm. All right. uh, like a hot, heavy submission. It's like, all right, fuck, I guess we're really going to hit each other. Um, then, they, you know, they do a kitchen sink, which Benoit sells beautifully spinning away, which like I've never really seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, dive to the ab- outside, whip into the rope, uh, a hard ice whip into the ropes. You know, they're starting to up the ante and they're trying to, they're moving away from kind of, from it being a lighter match. Like, right. Friends just trying to see who the better better man is. And the crowd popped at that kitchen sink. And it seemed like WCW had a smarter crowd. Yeah. Uh, than WWE ever did. Um, because WWE never really had in... Like, WWE had in-ring. But you have to think they were more TV-based. Like, they weren't really as much of, like people know certain moves and seeing certain things. You know what I mean? Like, like I would never see a WWE crowd pop for a kitchen <clears> sink <throat> in a good cell of a kitchen, kitchen sink. WCW had more like, uh, because you got to remember, like, even though like they had the main event picture, most of their matches in the show was the workhorse type of like matches of like, you give the cruiserweights, you give like the, People like the Chris Benoit's and the Bretts, their matches, and then you do the Hogan match at the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the third act is introduced with both of them going for their finishing submissions, mm-hmm. which um, they do a couple near falls, and they, and then that's that. It's it's structured impeccably, impeccably with timing, uh, moves for each act, uh, just a. Really solid match. Um, you know, Brett is selling not just pain, but anguish mm-hmm. is a hard thing to notice, but he, he's working it into the match. The way, and I also say for skiing that like skiing is a combination of micro movements. Yeah. And that's how Brett Hart wrestles. Yeah. He never like he does too much, like mm-hmm. a shoulder tackle. You know, he's not just running into him, but he's running through him. And he makes these micro movements feel larger within the context of the match. Right. And this one I gave a 7.7 out of 10. Okay. Uh, And then I wanted to end here 
with the champ with the world title match, Sting versus DDP. Um, and this is like the most of what I imagine WCW matches being. Mm-hmm. Like when I picture when I use my imagination of the limited I've actually seen, this is what I think of what a WCW match is. Colorful, heavy on crowd work, unstructured, rapid. You get like a silly spot of Sting doing like a headbutt into DDP's nuts. Mm. And then you have like a weird stipulation leading in where it's like, I think DDP won a four corners match, whatever the fuck that is for the championship. This is Russo time. <laughs> this is Russo time. I think this is actually my first WCW dark face paint sting match. Um, and I've never quite that I've seen. Um, yeah. Like crow sting. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and I never quite got the hubbub of sting and now I get it. Boy, that dude moves fast. Like that stinger splash in the corner. <laughs> when he turns it up. Hell. When he turns he, it up, he turns yeah. it up. Yeah. Um, like and I've seen like earlier sting, mm-hmm. like surfer boy sting. And I thought cool, like he's good. Um, but like but that's this also what he didn't video. know. That's the um, interesting thing about surfer sting. He still was new. Yeah. When he was early into the surfer gimmick. It was, and I think him and DDP are perfect for one another. Like, I could really see the chemistry, and despite mm-hmm. the intensity, like, it never felt rushed. Yeah. And the crowd was into it from the beginning, but they built it so well that, like, like Sting and DDP had them peaking at the end, right mm-hmm. at the end. Um, and you go, it's a quick ending, like a quick ending that you wouldn't see nowadays, like, mm-hmm. no unnecessary dramatics. They, they're not like sticking to spots that they have to get in yeah. um, sticking to like spots that they like once they feel the crowd is at their peak they take it right home um, get them right where you want them and then finish it off Sting ends the match quickly um, it feels cathartic feels euphoric uh, I gave it an 8.1 out of 10 so let me tell you I love that match I think that's one of Sting's better matches that's not him and Ric Flair um but I also hate that match. And let me tell you why. He loses the title later that night. Um, wait, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait. What? That's the opening match of that show. That's the opening match? And he loses the title that night. <laughs> Can wait. you guess who he loses the title to? I don't want to. <laughs> I don't like this game anymore. <laughs> Welcome to Russo <laughs> World. This is all like I guess it's like also like yeah this is what I imagined when I imagined WCW. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was gonna give you a full plethora of WCW. He loot. I thought this was the main event. Oh no! If I'm not mistaken, this is the opening match. Who but lose the title too. I'll let you take a guess. Is it Vince Russo? Nope. Is it DDP? Yep. He loses it back to DDP. In a four-man match. So he has a fatal four-way at the end of the night. Where, if I'm not mistaken, it was him, Kevin Nash, Goldberg, and DDP. <laughs> what? <laughs> what was, like, the story of, like, why? 
I'll be honest with you, Jack. I've I've repressed this whole thing like it's like I repressed this to the point it could give me a tumor. So it's like to remember this, it takes a lot. But he did lose the mat. He did lose the belt that night. Um, it here's the thing. I love that match. I love the tombstone spot the most. Like the kind of like back and forth, like reverse into yeah. the tombstone. Reverse. It's a great match to me. That is Sting in the late '90s, early 2000s. Like when you, I think of Sting, and I was a big Sting fan. That is Sting. You know what I mean? Like that is him. Like that energy, that running into the corner, Stinger splash, fucking just wild man. But yeah, he lost the belt that night, and it, yeah, it was like weird. It's great. And a vacuum, it's amazing. But it's also one of those things where I hate that because I just remember the night where I was just like, I don't know. Like, as a nine-year-old, I had to look at this, like a nine, ten-year-old, and be like, do I really want to keep watching this? <laughs> it's such a tough moment as a child. And the crowd is so into his victory, too. Because Sting, Sting... How can I explain Sting is, is Sting was he is the WCW guy. Yeah, he was the guy during that time he never left. Yeah, because oh. as long as WCW was up and running, he never left. Uh, I it feel like I just go into it. Yeah, it's just like it like I said, you for cathartic. It's just like hey, that's here's that, a boy. <laughs> that is why when people say oh, AW is like WCW, I'm like, no, they're not because they're not doing yet. this. Yeah, they haven't gotten there yet. They're not. They wouldn't do this. I can't even see them doing this to like fuck over the baby face that everybody just popped for winning the title. Do yeah, the confetti. The people what they want and then taking it away. Doing the confetti, how AEW does, clean it up and be like, tonight you're gonna lose it in a four way. That is, that is when I tell you, Jack, it is a wrap. I'm closing the door on my wrestling fandom. King looks so like genuinely happy to oh, to yeah. win it. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go be sad the rest of my day now, knowing that this is now you've made me interact with it. Like I knew it exists, but it was only in the abstract before. Welcome to my 24 years later, Jack. Welcome to what I've had to deal with, and it's been on my heart. That's why when people say, "Oh, AEW turned WCW," no, the fuck it's not. You don't know pain. You don't know you the don't suffering. Think. You don't know the suffering I went through as a Stink fan watching that night. I mind you, watch the show started it. Sting won the championship. I'm elated. I switch to WWE for an hour. I come back and I see DDP walking out with the fucking title. I you don't know pain like I know pain. That's how you I hate Vince Russo. I hate Vince Russo. Yeah, that's tough. That's Oh boy, the drizzling shit. Uh, but before we head out, yeah. we are nearing the end. We, there's a section we did not talk about. Now, again, I've said I don't know how I feel about Punk being in WWE. That doesn't mean I'm not going to watch, right? That doesn't mean I'm not going to look to see what happens. But who is his first few? What's what do you think is the feuds? What do you think he does right. in the main? Just a quick, what, like quick. Like, let's keep this five minutes. <laughs> like, 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 who are we matching him up with? Yeah, like, who do you see? I'll see what I see. What do you think is his mania match? Like, who, what do you think oh, is his first mania two? match? I mean, 
Yeah, he got it. I mean, it's September, baby. We getting on the Royal Rumble time. Like, we, we got to book him for Mania. So I think his Mania match is, is Kevin Owens. Mm, I okay. think his first match is Seth Rollins. He wins or loses. Because Seth is the World Heavyweight Champion. Are we, are we taking the belt off Seth to put it on Punk? I think he loses the first one. And then maybe fucks around for a little bit, and then I have two more, and then he wins. Um, and then he goes into a feud with Grayson Waller. And <laughs> you got to put him against a young guy. That's who they got. That's their young guy. Oh, God. You got to put him against a young guy who like he can beat, who he can like, where it's not going to be a huge deal. And then uh, I would also like to see him in a with. I would like to see him do one more pay per view match with John Cena. I'm standing by that. Okay, when you take off your headphones in a fit, it's not good for our listeners. It makes a lot. I'm of sorry. I'm sorry. I want our listeners. Noise. I get it. I want our listeners to understand the idea of Punk facing Grayson Waller. Honestly, gives me heartburn. Like it makes my stomach upset. Like, it just give me your list then. Like run down. <clears throat> who, who can he face? I think obviously we know who his first feud is. It's yeah, Seth. It's Seth. My question is: Are you waiting till Rumble to do it? Because that's a long ass build, and I don't trust WWE with long ass builds. Um, I agree with Triple H. To a point, but even Triple H NXT like builds can be first. Fun. Fucking match be for like the world title. Like, well, no, I think his first match is Nakamura. Yeah, because they've done that. I think him and Nakamura do something at least until late December, January time. And I think the Rumble, he has a match with Seth. Okay, you got two. I think he. I think he. I think he beats Seth. Uh. Uh, should or does? I think he does. Should no. Okay. I think Seth should win, but I also think Seth should win. So Seth should face Gunther. Gunther. But I do think if Punk wins, I do think you do Punk Gunther. Which I, for the life of me, as someone who saw this man complain about Hangman hitting him too hard, cannot see him withstanding three Gunther chops in the mix of that fucking match and see him not feel like, eh, maybe he's not that bad. But <laughs> if he's not getting Gunther and he's not beating Seth, right? Which I don't think he should. Um, Austin, I think this is your only time you're going to get to do Punk versus Austin. Austin Theory. No. Steve Austin. Yes. Get the fuck up out of here. Nope. When's, when's another time you're going to get a chance to do it? It doesn't matter. You don't need to have. Oh, you mean the same way we don't talk about rock? And like, let's be real here. He's going to get. I think it's going to be Stone Cold. I think this is it. This is it. That is the match for, for night one is him and Stone Cold. I mean, one of my friends said him and Cody, and then Roman faces Rock, and I'm like, that's not happening. Cody's getting that Roman match. Nothing would be greater to me if Punk finishes the story before um, Cody Rhodes. And I love Cody Rhodes, and I want him to make it. But I'm also a fan of chaos, 
and nothing is more chaotic than fucking punk. <laughs> my chaotic world, that's a completely different bucket. In my chaotic world, it's different. My chaotic world is punk wins the rumble and it's punk versus Roman. My and- chaotic world is always going to be my priority. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we have it there. We pretty much both see Seth as being one of his first major feuds. Yeah. At least. I think by Rumble, it's him and Seth for the World your, Championship. Your legacy booking is is Steve Austin and mine's John Cena. I, listen, do I want to see either? Not really. But do I see want to see one? Because at least one is like, we've always kind of wanted to see it. <laughs> like, I'll be honest with you. The only reason why I'm not crazy about John Cena I've seen the last few matches, bro. He just ain't there no more. It's 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 just that it's just it's, it's you gotta accept it. Every every fighter has one last great match in them. I don't think he got it, brother. And you know why I don't think he got it? Because Punk gotta lead him in the match. Punk's always led those matches, though. Yeah, but he gotta lead him more because he <laughs> like it's different leading. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah, still yeah. like nah, this is like I gotta carry you through this one. Yeah. Like British Bulldog Brett after British Dick Coke uh, crack. <laughs> like, oh. All right, Jack. Tell the people where they can find you. You can read my reviews with my pre- precise and divisive out of 10 rating system at theaspentimes.com. Mucking with movies is the name of the column. <clears throat> um, and then you can check out the rest of my work, both directorial and writing at jacksimonmakes.com. Uh, okay, and you can find me everything life of Deem. Uh, currently, I'm about to go up to Harlem and paint a mural. Um, and you can also follow us at Wrestling with Romance on Instagram, uh, uh, Romance Pod on Twitter. Uh, we're gonna get some more, you know, content up there. It's been pretty hard. It's a lot of work, but we're getting there. All right, we're six episodes, and we're doing this all guerrilla warfare, guerrilla style. Okay, baby. <laughs> so. Yeah, baby. We will see you guys next week, and yeah, we'll holla. Deuces.